stocks, bonds, ETFs, straight out of downtown Chicago. This is Zach's Market Edge. Welcome to Zach's Market Edge, the podcast about investing in your life. I'm your host, Tracy Reinick, and this week I'm going solo again to talk about dividend stocks. I've covered this topic in the past and just uh, maybe a couple months ago here in 2022, but I wanted to talk about it again because I'm seeing some more chatter about it and I decided to take another dive in. So many people, myself included, are discovering this joy of getting paid to do nothing, basically. This is the passive income. Of course, you have to put the investment in to get the income. And that's where it gets a little bit trickier, right? It, it looks all fun to look at some of the investing calculators and be like, oh, you know, if I bought uh, 100 shares of this company, I would get like $400 in dividends, but you have to buy the 100 shares, right? So I saw some dividend fans on Twitter talking about generating $100,000 a year in the passive income. Uh, that uh, would mean you would need a, quite a big portfolio, right, to get to the 100000 That's super impressive, and that is an amazing goal. And the guy who has this as his goal said that he would have to have a $2 million portfolio in order to generate the 100000 And then many people chimed in thinking he couldn't actually get to the 100,000 with just 2 million, because that would mean he would have to have a yield of 5% um, to get that. So is 5% difficult? It doesn't seem like when you just say it out like that, oh, 5%, like that's not that hard. And this year yields are up a bit as stocks have declined. So the yield is up. And then many companies have also raised their dividends again this year, and that's contributing to the yield rising as well. But I decided to take a look to see what is really happening with the 5% yield. Can I really get that? And how difficult is it? Some of the people in response to him saying he was going to get the 5% yield said he would have to be a lot riskier to get it. But do you? I don't know. So I decided to take a look at the dividend aristocrats. And that's a term that's battered about by dividend income fans. And it basically means um, what aristocrat kind of means. It means the upper tier, the elite, the, the specials ones. <laughs> and it's really mostly in the dividend world, companies that have paid dividends every year, usually for over a decade. Um, but it depends on who, wh where you're looking at the, the term dividend aristocrat and what their definition is. So um, some it can mean 20, 30, even 40 years. It's a mix of the length of time, but it actually also usually means that you're raising them that entire time as well. That's even more impressive. Uh, because something's always happening where you might, as a company, be able to pay out the dividend, but you really don't want to raise it that particular year. Kind of like maybe this year with inflationary pressures and uh, maybe your margins are starting to contract a bit and you really you can pay out that dividend, but you really don't want to raise it under these conditions. But these are companies that still do. So just a word of caution on the dividend aristocrats is just because a company has paid out that dividend for a long time, 
doesn't mean they will always do so. It also doesn't mean they will raise it every year, even if they've done that for 30 or 40 years. So industries change. Business conditions will change within those industries. There's innovation. Some things go out of fashion. And so some of the companies won't be doing as well as they were, you know, in year 10 as they are in year 50. They might not even survive. So they're clearly not paying out the dividend, right? But think of like, say, the automakers. They used to be sure thing on the dividends in like the 1960s and 70s. And then it got a little bit rocky in the 80s. And then it's been rocky ever since. Some of them are still paying it. Some have cut in various time periods, like in 2008. Um, and now they've resumed again. So to actually have that record of consistency and increases is somewhat rare, but can go away at any time. So it's not a sure thing. Just keep that in mind. Um, but hopefully by looking at some dividend aristocrats, you know, companies that have a consistent track record, we're reducing some of the risk. And that's all that we can do as investors. We want to take some of the risk off the table. Also, if you have a track record as a dividend aristocrat, these companies mostly hold it as a badge of honor. And they are dedicated to sharing the profits with the shareholders by this point, especially the ones that have been paying, you know, 20 years or more. They take it uh, as a thing to be proud of, as I said, and they promote it and they talk about it. So it takes a lot for them to uh, decide to halt that or to betray their shareholders, so to speak. And it used to be the saying goes, you know, that a lot of grandmas bought dividend type uh, companies that paid those out because they did want the income in their retirement. And so you can't, you know, uh, you don't want to injure grandma, basically. <laughs> you don't want to hurt grandma. So these are all things that in in play, but remember, nothing is a sure thing. So there are ETFs that track the dividend aristocrats. So in order to make my uh, work easier, why not just take a look at what those ETFs are tracking? That's how you can find these div- dividend aristocrats. You don't have to, like, go you know, just individually search yourself thinking, oh, I think this company, you know, whatever it is, might have been paying it for a long time. I'll go look. No, you can just go to the ETFs. So the one I immediately brought up was the ProShares. They have an S&P 500 dividend aristocrat and they have a mid-cap 400 dividend aristocrat. They also have some other ones that are just like growers, but growing doesn't necessarily mean it's an aristocrat. So that is two different things. The aristocrat means they actually have the track record of paying it out for you know over a decade usually is what most of these would use. Um, so that's different than just growing it. So keep that in mind too, don't get confused. Uh, so the first one I looked at was the ProShares S&P 500 dividend aristocrat. The ticker is N-O-B-L, N is in Nancy O, B is in boy L. And as of uh, October 31st, 2022, the yield was 2%. So I look at that and I'm like, well, that's not that good. <laughs> 2%. I'm certainly not getting to the 5% I need if I own this. But um, it, you know, I had to dig down a little bit deeper. It is equal, equal weight among 64 companies. So that's a lot. 64 companies that 
qualify for dividend aristocrat. And in this case, that uh, definition is 25 years or more for these S&P 500 companies. So S&P 500 is the bigger caps. They've been around longer. Usually they've got the big market cap. And so not surprising, they they look a little bit uh, deeper into the past to determine if they're really elite or not. So 25 years, you know, takes you back into, um, you know, wait, I'm doing the math in my head, uh, back into the mid 90s, mid to late 90s now. <laughs> uh, dot com boom was just getting revved up right then. Um, but that's there's a lot that's happened in that time period. The Great Recession, the pandemic, um, you know, 9-11, all this stuff that could have doomed these companies to either halt the dividend or cut it and and or not increase it every year. Because in this case, they actually have been raising them every year as well. So that's super impressive. What's on this list of 64 companies? So of course, you know, I scroll down to check it out. A lot of industrials, um, hardly any tech, not surprising because they don't pay as many dividends. And the ones that do um, haven't been the 25 years yet paying the dividend, um, surprisingly. And then no, no banks. There are financials, but no banks because a lot of the big S&P 500 banks would have, or very few banks, I should say. I don't think I saw one on there. Um, they would have had their dividends halted in the financial crisis by the Federal Reserve. Um, they could not pay them out. So the banks had been prior to that one of the most consistent dividend aristocratic groups. A lot of grandmas owned the banks and they either could have lost all their money when some of those banks went under in the great financial crisis or then the the dividend was cut. So then they weren't getting anything. But I thought I'd take a look at three of the stocks. I just kind of randomly pulled them out. I didn't look for Zach's rank or anything on any of these. I just was curious what was going on with their yields and what was happening. Some of these I've seen talked about by the dividend fans on Twitter as some of their favorites. And I thought I'd look and see why. Why are these the favorites? But these are three that are in the list. Okay, the first one is Walgreens Boots. The old Walgreens, now with Boots Alliance. And ticker is W, B as in boy, A as in Adam, W, B, A. And obviously Walgreens has been around for forever. They've paid a dividend for 90 years. And Walgreens itself raised it along with Boots Alliance now because they kept the tradition going. They've raised it for 47 consecutive years. <laughs> That's incredible, right? So PE on Walgreens right now is just nine. So the shares are down 21% year to date. Um, they have surged in the last month on this rally up 24% in that last month, but still down 21% year to date. But um, it's been a bit of a struggle in the last couple of years for these shares. So that's why you're getting the dividend yield that you're getting, which is 4.7%. So that's that's pretty close to that 5% range. And before this recent spurt in the stock, it might have even been yielding 5% or more. Earnings expected to be down 11% this fiscal year and then up another 6% next fiscal year. But we don't know with the recession possibly coming. But some of these companies that have been around for a real long time on their investment relations page on online, 
um, have an interesting little tool called an investment calculator. I'm always mad at the companies that don't have it. So any companies listening out there who have this long history of paying out or just being publicly traded and or with the dividend, please put an investment calculator on your site. It's so much fun for the shareholders. Okay, so Walgreens does have one and it goes back, it appears to 1993 with the data. So that's 29 years. No, and I looked at November 15th, 1993 to November 14th, 2022. And it allows me to put in, um, if I invested $10,000 in 1993, or yes, 10000 1993, what would it be today? And this one, um, this one had dividends reinvested as well, which is what we care about right now on this podcast. So that's a cool thing because a lot of them don't have that feature. So I don't know why that is. Attention. Companies, if you have the investment calculator, why not allow me to see what the returns would be with that dividend reinvested? So this one, I did do it. You can check the little box. I checked it with the dividend and um, the total return in those 29 years is uh, 1,182.69% or 9.2% annualized. S&P 500 allows me to compare on this calculator, way to go Walgreens, is up 753.3% or 7.67% annualized. Um, So it is beating the S&P 500 during those 29-year time period. So $10,000 invested um, would have been $128,268 by today at that 9.2% annualized. And in the S&P 500, it is 85,331%. So quite a difference, um, 128,000 versus 85,000 in the investment calculator. Now, I did spoil the fun a little bit because I know Microsoft also has an investment calculator. So I went over there to see on these same dates what the return of $10,000 would have been in Microsoft shares. Obviously, it was a gross stock. It did not pay a dividend until 2003, and um, we know what it's done the last couple of years. So this is the difference between buying a growth stock and buying something that's a little bit slower value and holding over the long periods. So uh, let me get out my notes. I wrote it down. They did not have the checkbox for dividends reinvested. So this is actually without even the dividends reinvested, and they paid the dividends for 19 years. Plus, they paid a special dividend of $3 in 2004. Um, so this does not include that. But $10,000 invested on November 15, 1993 in Microsoft is up 9,614%. Remember, Walgreens up 1,182%, or your $10,000 invested is 971,428. So almost a millionaire in Microsoft since 1993, but only 128,000 in Walgreens. But that's with the dividends reinvested even. Microsoft's isn't even with the dividend reinvested. So you're definitely over a million bucks if you reinvested those dividends with Microsoft too. So I'm just pointing that out, not to spoil the fun, because Walgreens did beat the S&P 500 during that time period and compounding that dividend did work for the nice return. Um, But it's something to keep in mind that the dividend yield 
isn't always the the only thing to look at, right? Or even if a company pays the dividend, right? You should have be diverse and and mix up your portfolio. But in this podcast, we're trying to create passive income of $100,000 a year. So we're not looking so much for the growth by that point because we've got the $2 million. We're trying to get the $100,000 payout. Um, And Walgreens with 4.7% dividend is close to getting us there. Okay, second stock is T. Rowe Price, ticker T, R's and Robert, O-W, T-R-O-W. And they're the big global investment management company. And I see this one all the time um, on the various chats about dividends. I thought it would be like over 5% for sure on this one. That's kind of why I picked it out of the list on the aristocrats. But now it's yielding only 3.6%. That's still a nice dividend, but it doesn't get me to the 5%, right? Um, What's happening with the stock, though, year-to-date down 35% still, even after this little boost here that we're having in November 2022. But year-to-date still down big. PE is 15.9. Earnings expected to be down fiscal 2022, 38%. So expected to plunge down to 790 from 1275. A lot of that is because, again, global investment management, their assets under management are declining as stocks and bonds fall. So they're going to make less um, income. Now, the, the dividend is paying out $4.80. So if they make 790, they, they do have enough in earnings to cover it. That is something to look at. But they um, are in the aristocrats, so they definitely have been covering it for 25 years or more. And um, I see in February of this year, 2022, they did raise it again, 11.1% to $1.20 from $1.08 per quarter, that one is. And they did say they've raised it 36 consecutive years now. They've raised the dividend. So um, that's pretty impressive. So if you're looking on the financial side and the stock has come way down, um, you know, this is maybe one to keep on your your watch list there. Uh, Okay, third one is Illinois Toolworks, ticker ITW. This is on the industrial side because, again, they've been around a long time, these big industrials. Uh, I've talked about them before, but remember they have seven business segments. It's auto, construction, food equipment, welding, specialty products, polymers and fluids, test and management, and electronics. Those are the seven business segments. So uh, Illinois Toolworks, um, year-to-date, shares are only down 6.9%. But they've kind of been treading water over the last two years. They're up just 8.7% in that time period. They did have a big uh, boost out of the pandemic uh, You know, in 2020. The shares bottomed out and then started the big rally, but we're we're way past that now, and it's not showing up in the two-year charts much anymore. Um, and so that's why you're only getting 8.7% over those two years. But is outperforming the S&P 500 year-to-date here in 2022 with it down just 7%. Now, earnings expected to be up 10.9% in 2022 and down in 2023, but only 2.5% as of right now. These shares are expensive. They're trading at 24 times that forward earnings because people do think like, oh, industrials, this is where I want to be. Um, dividend is yielding 2.3%. 
so that's not really going to get us to the $100,000 either by owning Illinois Tool Works, but they are an aristocrat and they uh, did raise it. They raised it in August by 7% and they raised it 7% the year before in 2021 as well. So uh, they obviously they're in the aristocrats uh, ETF. They do have this history of raising it. And they also have a longer term strategy that the dividend payout ratio will be about 50%. That's their long-term target. And so that tells you their dedication to the shareholders that they are, you know, have the target and 50% of the uh, payout is going to go, or it'll be 50% um, paying out of what their earnings are out to the shareholders. So that's impressive as well. But you're only getting that dividend yielding 2.3% with Illinois Toolworks, ITW. So then I decided to take a look at the mid-cap 400 dividend aristocrat ETF they had at the ProShares, and it's ticker R-E-G-L. R-E is in Edward, G is in George, L. Um, and because everything isn't going to be the large caps, right? I, I want to know who has a track record among slightly smaller companies. Now, these are mid-caps. It looks like that would be like a billion dollars and up for these aristocrats, um, up to probably 10 billion is the large or whatever is in the S&P 500, I shouldn't say, um, but much bigger. And so they have a different definition for these because they're smaller companies. They might not have been around quite as long, but on this one, to be an aristocrat, you would have had to pay for 15 years instead of 25 and you do still have to grow the dividend yield um, over that time or the dividend payout. So 15 years and still growing. That's still impressive because think about what's happened in the last 15 years that does include the Great Recession time period. So these companies managed to still pay over that time period, which was very difficult. Okay, so in this one, there's 47 companies and it's yielding a little bit more than the S&P 500 at 2.36% as of October 31st, 2022. So a little bit better, but that's still not getting me there either. This one does have financials in it. It's 26% of the weighting in this ETF are financials. And so there are some banks in it. I, I chose not to look at one of them, but... Um, I have talked a lot about the banks recently on various podcasts here in 2022, so I feel like they've already got their time. Let's talk about something else right now. And so I picked out two companies that are kind of interesting. I've owned both of them at one time in the value investor portfolio, so I do know something about them. So the first one is New Skin Enterprises, ticker N, U as in update, <laughs> U as in U and S is in Sam. NUS is the ticker. They're in the beauty industry and they've been around a long time, actually, a couple decades. That's why they qualify for this because they have been paying the dividend out for more than the 15 years. Um, okay, so what do I mean by beauty? They make a lot of devices that you can use, like uh, skincare devices. I don't know how to say it, like the Clarisonic. They, they got rid of the Clarisonic that they no longer make that product. That was like the cleaning tool that like got deep into the pores <laughs> that you plugged in and you, you could use. Um, a lot of people upset they got rid of that. So companies like New Skin 
are still making something similar to it. Also, again, just like anti-aging or like collagen boosting kind of handheld devices, those are big now. They also do multivitamins, uh, wellness, collagen uh, supplements, things like that. And so New Skin um, is global. They're big in Asia. And 20% of their revenue does come out of China, which is some of the difficulty. They're also getting hammered by the strong dollars. So they are, you know, taking a hit from the dollar exchange as well. But uh, North America, U.S. sales are still performing very well right now, even though they had the slowdown in China. They've seen a little bit of slowdown in South Korea, but um, China mi- or Asia minus uh, China has been holding up fairly well still, even with um, all these, you know, uh, the COVID issues and uh, inflationary pressures. So what is going on with New Skin? They have a market cap of $1.9 billion. Earnings are expected to fall now this year, 28%, but up again, another 13% next year. Whenever you see, oh, China's reopening, then you start to see these shares do better. Now, I did own it again in the value investor. We owned it for a while and we finally did have to get out of it because of uh, the China lockdowns and because the company kept warning, like things are slowing in certain parts of our key markets. So we did finally have to sell and get out of there. But I did always like the dividend yield. It pays 4% right now. That's pretty juicy. Year to date, these shares are down about 23%. They are off the recent lows. So you could have gotten them cheaper. PE is still pretty cheap, even with the cut in earnings and the guidance, and PE is still 12.8. So I do like that. They also, they're very shareholder friendly. They are also doing a stock repurchases, and they have another 185.4 million left on their authorization. So this is a company with big um, uh, gross margins. They did fall this last quarter from all these challenges with uh, COVID inflation, the dollar to 67.7% from 75.2% a year ago. So I like companies with big margins like that. That's why they got the good free cash flow and can pay those dividend yields out to us. So if you're looking around in the beauty area and you want something global that pays a dividend and that has a history of doing so, New Skin might be one to watch, ticker NUS. And then I'm finishing up with a retailer Uh, One of my favorites, Williams and Sonoma, ticker WSM. WS is in Sam, M is in Mary. WSM. Uh, They're on furniture side, right? But when you think of Williams and Sonoma, you might only think of that chain, which does the food. You go there during, you know, in the lead up to Thanksgiving to make sure you have the turkey baster, all that kind of stuff. But no, all of these, uh, this company is so much more than just Williams and Sonoma brand. They also own West Elm. They also own Pottery Barn. They also own the kids' versions of those, uh, Rejuvenation, that that brand. And they are also really quickly developing their business-to-business business. And that is, uh, you know, if you're a restaurant and you want the Williamson's or you want the West Elm look, you can buy all the dining room tables and all of that from West Elm for that restaurant, that kind of business. They did just announce that the uh, they're now offering commercial grade kitchen offerings for the business to business side, which includes elect- 
electrics, it said, electronics, maybe electrics, cutlery, cookware, bakeware, and dinnerware items that have been tested that are commercial grade now. So they are excited about this part of the business. I am too, because it's a whole new market than just, uh, you know, offering these things to those of us cooking at home, right? And it's a big market, in fact, too. So what's going on with their uh, stock? It's been a rough year, year to date, down 18.6%, but it was much worse. They have bounced off of there because business isn't really slowing. In the second quarter, they still had record earnings again, but they're about to report the third quarter, even this week as I'm recording this. So if you're listening to this at any time in November 2022, they have probably gone on to report. Will they still see these strong sales? We don't know. But a lot of the furniture companies and retailers are still seeing pretty strong sales given what's happening with the housing market. They're not saying it's not slowing off of the records, but it's still holding up far better than everybody thought. So um, PE with Williams and Sonoma is just eight. And earnings this fiscal year expected to be up 12.4% because they've been reaffirming their guidance and things were still looking good, but we'll see. And next year, fiscal year, is when the analysts expect some more softening with earnings down 6.4%. Now, the dividend is yielding 2.3% now, even though they keep raising it. So in March of this year, 2022, they did a 10% increase and a new $1.5 billion stock repurchase authorization. In 2021, with the record and everybody buying outdoor furniture and uh, couches, they raised the dividend 20% last year and also did a 1.25 billion stock repurchase. And so you can see when things are going that good, these companies with a history of giving back to the shareholders, which Williams and Sonoma definitely has, they take pride in not halting this dividend at the start of the pandemic. And additionally, they paid all of their employees during the pandemic, even those who were, you know, at home because the stores were shut. So uh, Williams and Sonoma's got the free cash flows, and that's why I've always liked them. I did own it in my own personal portfolio after we bought it in the Value Investor, but I did sell it last, or uh, just maybe four or five months ago now, earlier in the year, because I know the furniture business is going to slow, and I had owned it for a number of years and just wanted to lock in my profit. I still love the company, but I am out of it completely now myself, as is the value investor no longer owns it either. Um, but it's looking pretty cheap here, so I'm liking the story. Now, what about those techie names um, that aren't really in the S&P dividend aristocrats? I did find one that was in there, and it is Probably the one, if you think about it, would be in there, and it was IBM, right? They have been around a long time. They've paid out the dividend for seemingly forever. So you can go onto IBM's website. They do have an investment. Um, oh, no, they don't have one. Yeah, that was a drag on IBM's. They do not have an investment calculator on there. They should get one. So IBM, if you're listening, get the investment calculator. But they do have a spreadsheet on there about the dividends going all the way back to when they were first um, put out. <laughs> and I'm singing my notes here. So their first dividend was a dollar that was paid out. And I wrote on April 10th, 
2013, but that is wrong. It was April 10th, 1913. So it goes way, way back, but my mind wasn't working to go back that far. 1913, um, it's not adjusted for stock splits or anything like that. That's just what would have been paid out. So that's tremendous. They kept it at a dollar a quarter um, every quarter there until 1922 when they raised it to a dollar 50 during the go-go years of the 1920s. The Fed was cutting interest rates then in the early 1920s. I think things were pretty good. That's why they raised then probably. Uh, right now, dividend is yielding 4.6%. But over the last five years, these shares are only up 0.5%. That's like the definition of dead money as I've called it, but you do get the dividend, so not completely dead. But if you're a long-term shareholder, you're up only 0.5% in the last five years. Year to date, however, you're up 7.8. So you're not doing too shabby if you get the year to date plus the dividend. But that's only if you bought more recently, right? Um, so IBM, it always has rewarded the shareholders for sticking around with this dividend. And so that's uh, people buying it know that. And a lot of people do buy IBM just to get the passive income. They're not really buying it to get the shares to appreciate all that much. But any share appreciation is just extra bonus. But at 4.6% yield, they're getting closer to our uh, you know, goals there of the 5%, right? So that's why a lot of people own IBM. Those that do are usually the dividend fans. Um, I did take a look on that little spreadsheet that they have, and they do show that they have been raising the dividend because they are an aristocrat, and they've raised it just a penny a quarter since 2020. But that's to keep their record. So, you know, a lot of these companies will just do the one cent per quarter kind of raise. But it counts, counts the same way as doing anything more. So keep that in mind. Now, to go back to the beginning of this podcast, can you get 5%? That, that is high, I've, I've discovered. <laughs> it's not that easy to get it. Um, it's doable for sure, but it's going to be a little bit harder to get. You're going to have to maybe go beyond the aristocrats to get it. And um, some of them that are paying more than 5% might be because the stock itself is a bit depressed and has come way down. So I did look at a growth and in income screen on Zacks.com and it because it said it was paying stocks with yields over 8%. So these are not aristocrats, just stocks paying over 8%. And on that list, um, it gave me quite a few stocks. I want to say like 62 or something. It was a lot of commodities because a lot of them are paying the higher uh, dividends right now. Um, it had some financials on there again. And then it did have companies like cigarettes with Altria Group. They're paying 8.55%. Uh, but remember, the extra 2%, 3%, or 4% a year can matter even if you're not trying to get it just for passive income, it can matter in just compounding and growing your initial portfolio. So the passive income, if you're reinvesting it, um, really, you know, if that's your plan and you buy some dividend investors for now, trying to get to the two million, and you're reinvesting that, that compounds too. Don't forget, 
Um, that's the magic of compounding kind of twice. You get your initial investment compounding over the years, hopefully, and then you also get the dividend that's paid out to you compounding over the years as well. So that's a double compound. I like it, but I realize that you know you have to save the two million. You got to get to that first to get the hundred or to attempt to get the hundred thousand a year. So it may sound overwhelming to get to the two million dollars saved because it does to me, right? That would take me a long time, I feel, to get to the two million. But you can start small and you can have smaller goals. You could have a million dollars. You could have. Uh, 500,000 or um, 100,000, that's even hard to get to, but is a great goal to kind of stretch to get to. And what if you got the 5% yield on 100,000? Obviously, you'd be getting 5,000 a year. And what if you had that in some kind of IRA or Roth IRA? And basically, it was, it's self-funding your IRA every year, almost, right? 5,000 or 6,000 a year you can put in there, or maybe 7,000 if you're above uh, 50 years old, but they did just raise it for next year, so it's a little bit higher even. But once you start to get five or, or 6,000 a year that your portfolio is just paying you in addition to whatever else you're putting in there, you're on your way. So keep that in mind that everybody starts off small, every, every single investor starts off with just their first purchase and goes from there. And you can too. And dividends are a great way and a fun way to get that passive income coming in. And uh, maybe at the end, you you will have all of this coming into you that you can then you know spend and uh, get uh, some enjoyment out of. So you know, again, dividends, they're in again, they're fun. They uh, are a little trickier to find that 5%, but any kind of dividend will compound and you'll still get those checks. And don't make fun of the check you get for you know, $2 or $3 when you're first starting out, because we all get those. And it does seem kind of dumb, right? Like, oh, I just got $3, but it adds up over time. And the $3 will become $30 payout. And then the 30 will become $300 eventually, hopefully, as you continue on. So um, I don't think anybody's laughing at $300. I wouldn't, at least. So keep that in mind. And let me review the tickers that I discuss on this show, because there's quite a bit of them here. So the two ETFs that are out there that I just used to look at, I didn't look at what the expense ratios are or anything else, but you can own a basket of these aristocrats. The S&P 500 Pro Shares one is N-O-B-L, Noble, and the 400 uh, S&P 400 uh, Mid-Cap Dividend Aristocrats ETF is R as in Robert, E as in Edward, G-L, R-E-G-L. And then some of the stocks we talked about, Walgreens, uh, Boots Alliance, WBA is their ticker, T. Rowe Price, is T-R-O-W, I-T, well, I always just call it I-T-W, but Illinois Toolworks is I-T-W, New Skin is N-U-S, Williams and Sonoma is W-S-M, uh, we talked about IBM there at the end, IBM is the ticker, and Microsoft, I threw them in there because they're getting close 
not quite there at the 25 years yet, but um, they're at almost 20. Next year, it'll be 20 years for Microsoft, but I'm not sure if they've raised it every year. I'd have to go look, but at least they've been paying consistently for almost 20 years. So Microsoft, ticker MSFT, and I do own Microsoft currently in my own personal portfolio. So as always, you wanna be sure to subscribe because you never know what I'm gonna be discussing every week on the Market Edge, but we are getting towards the end of the year. Yes, December is looming. And that means our end of the year shows are coming up. And you know what that means? That means John Blank, Zach's chief equity strategist, will be back on the show to talk about our favorite topic, which is, will we go into recession in 2023? We've covered this topic every year in December. We'll also do an outlook on what to look out for in the new year. Um, and I'll have other shows about like what performed best over 2022. And um, again, what to look out for as we head into 2023. Will these trends stay the same? I don't know. We've had two years of energy outperforming. Can they make it number three? I'm going to be discussing all of this. So be sure to subscribe. Get us on Apple Podcasts. Get us on Amazon Music. Get us on Spotify. We're also on SoundCloud. But be sure to get us somewhere. And I'll see you again next time with some more stocks. This material is being provided for informational purposes only, and nothing herein constitutes investment, legal, accounting, or tax advice, or a recommendation to buy, sell, or hold a security. Do not act or rely upon the information and advice given in this podcast without seeking the services of competent and professional legal, tax, or accounting counsel. Publication and distribution of this podcast is not intended to create, and the information contained herein does not constitute an attorney-client relationship. No recommendation or advice is being given as to whether any investment or strategy is suitable for a particular investor. It should not be assumed that any investments in securities, companies, sectors, or markets identified and described were or will be profitable. All information is current as of the date herein and is subject to change without notice. Any views or opinions expressed may not reflect those of Zach's investment research as a whole.